Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, animal lovers, and welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewitt, and I want to thank you for tuning in. As you know, I am the proud mom of a parrot, and I've often spoken about how big a commitment it is to care for a bird like this. Believe it or not, it's much more difficult than caring for dogs and cats, and you have to really be educated about their care. It's really a continuing education when it comes right down to it because we're always learning new things about these amazing animals. And Barbara Krauss from the Parrot Education and Adoption Center will be stopping by shortly to share all the details about a huge parrot educational conference that is coming up soon that all parrot givers should consider attending. Then, after our halftime break, Wendy Shankin-Cohen, the president and CEO of Dr. Harvey's Specialty Food Company, has some very cool products available to help you make healthy, homemade pet meals. So keep your radio tuned right here to K Mozart, and we'll get started after a very quick station break. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on K Mozart. I'm Marie Hewitt, and joining me now from the Parrot Education and Adoption Center is our longtime Pet Place friend, Barbara Krauss. Welcome back to the Pet Place, Barbara. Thank you, Marie. It's wonderful to be back. I just so enjoy talking to you because I love your organization and all that you do. So could you just remind our listeners what the Parrot Education and Adoption Center is all about? Well, the, the, our mission basically is twofold. The biggest thing we do and we try to do as much of it as we can, is to educate folks on the most current um, information on how to care for a companion parrot. And the second thing we do on a smaller scale is take in unwanted birds that people can't keep anymore for a variety of reasons and foster them in trained volunteer homes and find permanent homes for them. Wow. How many birds do you get in every year, roughly? Uh, Well, like I said, we're a small organization, and we're limited by the number of foster homes that we have. Mm -hmm. We turn away many, many more birds than what we take in. Uh, We probably turn away at least 20 birds every month. Mm -hmm. Uh, Right now we have 13 birds in foster care, um, and that's um, pretty high for us. We're kind of stuffed to the gills at the moment. Oh, no. How do parrots end up being homeless? I mean, first of all, they're very expensive pets. Why would anyone give one up? Well, parrots, as you know, as as a cockatoo owner, Marie, are a lot more work. They're a lot more time-intensive and demanding of attention and just more husbandry, you know, more basic, you know, stuff to clean and food to prepare than more traditional companion animals like cats or dogs. And unfortunately, they're also very beautiful, and, and babies particularly are so social. They want to be with you all the time. People see them either in a bird store or, you know, at a swap meet or whatever, mm-hmm. and fall in love, take the bird home without truly understanding how much work they are and how long they live. Uh-huh. And and they do live probably longer than most people are going to live, especially if you adopt it when you're already an adult. Exactly, exactly. And that's an issue. We actually do have several birds in our program right now that came to us because their their owners passed away. Wow. So I suspect you probably counsel people to make sure they've 
put their birds into their will and made sure they have somebody to care for them in the event they're not going to be around. Exactly, because the medium and larger birds can live 60 to 80 years, which, as you pointed out, is on par with with human lifetime. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're in your 40s or 50s, which many people are when when they get a bird, if that bird's a youngster, it's definitely going to outlive their ability to care for it. Yeah, that is certainly something to think about. Mm-hmm. But it still it just makes me so sad that they end up homeless because these guys they really love their families, their people and it just must be so traumatic for them to oh, end I mean, up homeless. Yeah, they I think they certainly go through a grieving process like like people do when they lose a, a cherished family member. Wow. Um, I mean they certainly do adjust, but yeah, I'm sure it's very difficult for them. So generally what is ideal if somebody's thinking about adopting a parrot. Um, what should they be thinking about? What should they look for in a parrot for matching up with their own lifestyles? What's your recommendation? Um, you really do need to take a, a good hard look at, at what your, uh, how much time you have to devote to a parrot because different species have different requirements. The larger birds in general, cockatoos and macaws are, are excellent examples of this require hours of interaction every day. And that's aside from keeping the cage clean and play gyms clean and preparing mm-hmm. food and all of that and, and vacuuming them out the mess that they make. <laughs> uh, um, you know, I mean, a, a larger cockatoo will need four hours plus a day of, of interaction from its people. Wow. Uh, you know, and that's a huge time investment. It's, it, from that point of view, it's not dissimilar to having a permanent toddler. And it can't be nighttime either, because by nighttime they're ready to go to sleep. Yeah, they need they need do need more sleep than than humans do. Ten to twelve hours is what avian veterinarians recommend for most parrots, and that that is a challenge in many homes because you know most of us get seven or eight hours at best. Some people less than that. Mm-hmm. So if you're working all day and you don't even make it home until six six thirty seven, and you have you know just an hour or two of daylight left in the summertime if you're lucky. Right. That's not enough. No, it really isn't. And so your bird is going to suffer. And then what happens if a bird doesn't get enough companion time? Well, you know, unfortunately, that when we, that's when we do tar- start to see uh, behavioral issues like the bird acting out because, you know, obviously it's frustrated because its needs are not being met. Um, and we may be called on, you know, my bird is now screaming or it's acting, acting aggressively and trying to bite me or destroying its feathers. So it can actually start destroying its own body, self-mutilating. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's just such a terrible, terrible thing to see. Oh, but, and, and can you ever correct something like that if it starts happening? Um, the feather destructive behavior, if it's caught early and, you know, actual physical causes ruled out and corrected, uh, we certainly have seen some birds turn around when they are provided with lots of other things for that beak to do instead of being over-preening. Mm-hmm. For birds that have gone down the, that road far enough that they're actually chewing holes in their own flesh, it's extremely difficult to turn those birds around. Mm-hmm. In some cases, if it's severe enough that they're basically going to kill themselves, it really is kinder to euthanize. Oh, that is just so sad. It is. It's, it's horribly, horribly sad. So people really do need to do their homework before they bring home a bird. And where can people go to do that? Well, we teach seminars monthly. Um, we do require people come to classes before 
considering adopting a, a bird from us because we really want them to be informed and to make an informed decision and know how to care for the bird in the best way possible. Uh, so our classes can be helpful in helping them figure out what, what species of bird and what individual bird would best suit their home. And there's also some very, very good information on uh, the website for uh, Best Friends, which is a similar organization, although quite a bit larger than us, based in Utah. Mm -hmm. um, and their website is bestfriends.org. Okay. And obviously here at the Pet Place, we always promote adoption rather than buying a baby animal, whether it be a dog, cat, rabbit, or a bird. But I know somebody might think they'd rather start with a baby and just have that little guy with them for the rest of their life. What's your idea about this? What are the pros and cons of both arguments? Well, I mean, you know, a lot of people, like you say, do do want to start from scratch, if you will, with a clean slate. Um, and parents are very different as juveniles in comparison to puppies and kittens, for instance. You know, I mean, most of us have gone through the uh, you know, chewing up of shoes and shredding of curtains <laughs> that, that puppies and kittens are fully capable of doing. And, and the juvenile period for dogs and cats is, in general, is the most time-intensive and, and frustrating part of, of raising a cat or a dog. Once they reach adulthood and we have them uh, uh, altered so that they're not able to reproduce, their behavior as an adult is much more calm and predictable than it is as a baby. Mm -hmm. The exact opposite is for parents. Oh. In the juvenile stage, you know, they want to be with you, they want to interact, they're happy to have you pet them all the time, uh, and and once they reach puberty, depending on the species, that will be anywhere from age two to about five. After that, most parents will want to be more independent, they don't necessarily want to have their head scratched all the time, and that's when people really start having on some behavioral issues if they, you know, continue to expect that the bird's going to step up for them every single time they offer their hand, and now the bird wants to play with a toy or do other things and ends up biting them mm -hmm. because they were too pushy. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's, again, when we get called that, you know, my bird all of a sudden, for no reason, is is acting out, and, and I can't deal with it anymore. Do you try and uh, counsel them and, and we do. give we them do the and tools they need to yeah. help, you know, be successful so the we, bird we doesn't need to do. be given up? Okay. Yeah, we, we encourage people to come to our classes on, on use of positive reinforcement training so they can reteach their bird um, and teach the person how to read parrot body language so that they can be respectful of that and not push their bird mm -hmm. into um, biting them or doing other, other undesirable behaviors. I know a lot of people just don't want to put in the time and effort, though, and they say, yeah, thanks, but no thanks, we're giving them up. Well, it's, it's unfortunate in that sometimes people wait until they're so frustrated and at the end of their rope with, you know, excessive vocalization or, or biting so that by the time they call us, they're they're just so done with the whole situation. They're not in a, in a mental framework that they can go back and look at things a little more objectively. Oh, boy. Um, you know, but there certainly are pros and cons. I mean, when you're adopting an adult individual, whether that's, as you say, a, a bird or a dog or, or, you know, anything else, you know what you're getting. You know what the per the individual's personality is like, mm -hmm. whether or not the parent talks, if that's important to the person. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas with the baby, you don't know what kind of individual they're going to grow up to be. And, you know, although somebody may get uh, a baby gray or yellow-naped Amazon, both of which are 
are rated as, you know, talking species, if you will. Mm-hmm. There's no guarantee every individual bird is going to talk. Okay. So that's something people should be aware of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a question for you, a little yeah. um, out of left field here, but how many parrots would you say are in need of homes in the United States? Oh, boy, thousands. If you go on PetFinder.com and search for bird, now you will also bring up non-citizen or non-parrot species, too, like chickens and doves, for instance. Mm-hmm. But there are tens of thousands of birds in this country needing homes. Oh, that is just awful. It's, it's astounding. And then I mean, what, what happens to them? Do Do people just set them free? Do they... I mean, where do they go? Um, sometimes I think they get bounced around from home to home through um, private sales, mm-hmm. through various vehicles. Uh, some, the lucky ones end up in rescue organizations, and I suspect that some of them get euthanized. Mm, gosh, that is just terrible. Yeah. Well, I know that you do a lot of educational things to try and stop this before it happens, and mm-hmm. really that's the key, I think. And you're having a big conference in September in San Diego. We are. And I would like you to tell everybody about what's up with this conference. Sure. Um, on Saturday, September the 15th, we are so excited that Dr. Irene Pepperberg, who, as I think probably all your listeners know, is the lady who made Alex, the African Grey, famous, Mm -hmm. uh, or vice versa. (laughs) Uh, And she is going to come and speak on her pioneering work um, on giving intelligence, including her work with Alex uh, that started back in 1977. Wow. Uh, So she's going to be our featured speaker. We're also going to have Dr. Leanne Clayton, who's an board-certified avian veterinarian, talk about basically how to make positive reinforcement part of your day, how to really integrate the use of that training and teaching methodology into your day, whether you're interacting with your bird or um, a child or another family member. Uh Um, And we will also be having a hands-on. People will actually go home with a foraging toy for their own bird they'll make during during our conference. Oh, how fun. Yeah, yeah. So Adrian Mock is going to lead us in that. And uh, one of our own um, Shining Star flock members, this is a bird who came to us from the naturalized flock in Los Angeles on New Year's Day this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and he came to us because he we think he was hit by a car and smashed oh. up his leg, so he wasn't able to, um, you know, fly away and... and uh, go back to his flock. Right. Uh, his name is Ralphie, and <laughs> he's going to make a, a cameo appearance at our conference. Um, and he has adapted amazingly well to being a com- companion bird now. Uh, so his leg is healed. It's not, you know, normal mm-hmm. um, to the point where he could go back to his flock. Okay, so he'll be a companion bird then for the rest yes, of the flock. Yes, so he's life. going to be a companion bird, and uh, within the next few months we'll get him up on Pet Finder as well. So I guess our flock is actually 14. I, I, uh, okay. I'm thinking of the birds that are on Pet Finder right now. <laughs> How uh, can someone register for the conference? Uh, if you go to our website, which is P-E-A-C, like Parrot Education Adoption Center, mm-hmm. .org, uh, the information's right there on our home page, and if you just scroll down, um, you can print off a, a registration form and send that in. 
Wow. Well, you know, it is always such a pleasure to talk with you, and I wish you the best of luck with the big conference coming up, and thank you so much for stopping by the Pet Place this morning. All right. Thanks so much, Marie. It's time now for our mid-show break, but we'll be right back with Wendy Shankin-Cohen, the president and CEO of Dr. Harvey's. So don't go away, and we'll get started after a very quick station break here on K-Mozart. We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show, and joining us now is Wendy Shankin-Cohen. Good morning, and welcome to the Pet Place, Wendy. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be with you. Hey, you're from a company called Dr. Harvey's. That's correct. (laughs) Can you tell me what it is? Dr. Harvey's is a company that's been around actually for a very long time. I'm the president of the company, and I'm also Mrs. Dr. Harvey. Oh, okay. There really is a Dr. Harvey. Ah, okay. And he started almost 30 years ago now uh, just lecturing to people about the uh, best way to feed your companion animals to uh, avoid illness, to increase longevity by avoiding commercial pet foods and preservatives and chemicals in in uh, commercial products. So uh, originally he started with no products. It was just the idea that he was going around and telling people to cook for their dogs. And it has branched from there to people saying, well, it's really too hard to do this on my own. And so we now have what we call premixes that are the basis for making a really easy, homemade, fresh meal for your animals. Oh, wow, that's fabulous. So it's kind of like the hamburger helper of the pet food world. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) No one's ever said that before, but I'm going to use that. That's great. Okay, okay. Well, you know, I think this is a great idea because so many people have emailed me about their concerns about so many incidents that have been in the news where we've had contaminated pet food that has led to the deaths of pets. And it's it's really staggering to read about these things and the numbers of incidents that we're seeing and, and the lack of regulation and making sure that pet food and pet treats is healthy and wholesome. It's true. Uh, there, there's a lot more in the news than there ever has been, and we have had these outbreaks of things where we find contaminated foods and there are recalls and uh, problems with imported uh, ingredients. And one of the things that we strive to do, first of all, we use only human-grade ingredients. Everything we use is from the United States and sourced in the United States, and our factory is in the United States. That's wonderful. So we're one of the few companies that still makes uh, all of our products um, within within the United States using uh, only U.S. ingredients because we are concerned about the quality. Uh, that's Everything is about the ingredients. The quality of the ingredients has to be, if I can't eat it, my dog's not going to eat it, basically <laughs> is what it comes down to. Um, And, you know, so there's these incidents of these pretty horrible things where not only dogs get sick, but recently, about a month ago, there was an issue where people were getting sick from touching dog food. Oh, really? There were about 16 people hospitalized with salmonella poisoning um, just from touching their dog food. So that's a pretty scary thought. It is. Uh, So there are those kinds of acute Incidences, but there's the, also the long-term accumulative issues having to do with health, uh, feeding your animals day in and day out, food that is purported to be uh, healthy uh, when in fact it's made from really inferior ingredients, 
cooked to very high degrees uh, where all the nutrients are then cooked out of it, mm-hmm. and then they spray back on vitamins to make it meet certain standards that make it look like it's 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 actually healthy. Yeah. But as we become more and more informed about our own health and about the importance of eating healthy, mm-hmm. um, I mean, 30 years ago when we when Dr. Harvey was talking about this, uh, he, people looked at him like he was nuts. Yeah. He was really consi- and he is a little bit. Let me just tell you that on the side. Well, you um, know, the most creative <laughs> people are. He's a bit of an eccentric, but okay. um, people now say, "Wow, you know, he really knew what he was talking about," and it's true. Uh, pet companies get away with using uh, really very um, poor sources of protein for the basis of most kibble and canned food, mm-hmm. and that's even the super premium. Companies. There are some companies out, out there that do make um, kibble that is good, but just by virtue of the fact that it sits on a shelf in a store, uh, it has to have a preservative in it. Hmm. Obviously, if it's meat, it's got meat in it, it's going to have to have a preservative or it would go bad. So we strive to make things that have no preservatives at all, by not including meat, and Dr. Harvey's mission has always been to make fresh food, wholesome food for your dog and cat every day. So what comes in the packaging that you provide, and then what does the the pet owner add to the ingredients that you have ready to go? And, and great. walk me through the process. Yeah, great question. We really try to make it as simple as possible. We have three different um bases. Uh, one is called Canine Health. That was our original food, and it's made with um, six organic uh, grains, and they're all highly digestible grains. It has nine different vegetables, and then it has herbs for digestion, and all you do is add water. You add your own source of protein, and we recommend that you rotate protein. So one week it would be beef, one week it would be chicken, it could be fish, it could be eggs, any high-quality protein. And then you add oil, as in fish oil, um, essential fatty acids, flax oil, um, hemp oil. And again, we ask you to rotate it because each oil provides something different for your companion. And the second product is called Vegetable, and it's made with 100% dehydrated human-grade vegetables with no grains because some dogs have sensitivity to grains. So this is just vegetables. Again, you just add water, add your protein, add your oil, and it makes a complete meal. And you can do it in about eight minutes. That's that's nothing. <laughs> you know, I was thinking this this is going to take a long time to prepare, but wow. honestly, it's so easy. People are just floored. I, I have a Great Dane and a Basset Hound and three cats and I make food for them every day. Uh, you can make it ahead of time. It stays in the refrigerator for up to three days. Okay. Uh, some people use cooked meat. Some people use raw meat. That's a very personal decision. Okay. It really depends on the animal, and it depends on uh, on the guardian and how they feel about feeding raw. There are a lot of people that believe that raw is healthier for animals. Mm-hmm. For example, my cats eat raw because they they like it better. They don't really like meat and um, cats are really carnivores mm-hmm. even more than dogs so um, it's it's good to give cats uh, you know raw fish raw chicken um, 
raw beef. And honestly, once they get away from commercial food, they love it. Wow. And I we only have about a minute and a half left, and I know you do more than just homemade food. You have shampoos, ear we washes, do, all it, kinds of organic it, products. Can you right. tell me about those? We do foods. We do treats. We make holistic supplements that are herbal-based, uh, and we make a lot of topical products that are made all with organic uh, ingredients, so there's no SLS, sodium lauryl sulfate, in our shampoo. We don't use alcohol. We use witch hazel. So everything, every ingredient is thought out by Dr. Harvey to be the best, gentlest, what you would make for yourself, for your animal, if you wanted to protect your animal's health and longevity. For And that's what most people want to do. And with the rise of all kinds of disease in animals, it seems like a no-brainer to want to do this for, for our pets. Absolutely. This just sounds like a wonderful product line, and I'm wondering if you have a website where our listeners can check out more of the information about everything. Absolutely. Well, we've been in business for almost 30 years. We're a family-run business. We make everything right here in our factory in New Jersey, and our website is www.drharveys.com. That's D-R-H-A-R-V as in Victor, E-Y-S as in Sam, dot com. Great. We also have, are on Facebook and YouTube and Twitter, and we're all over the place, so people can find out. And also we have a toll-free number where people can call and speak directly to Dr. Harvey if they have questions about their nutrition, and there's no charge for that. And that is? The number is 866-362-4123. Wonderful. Thank you so much, and thanks for coming to the Pet Place. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. We need to take one last break, but don't go away. We'll be back with more of the Pet Place with news and events here on K-Mozart. We're back on the Pet Place radio show. I'm Marie Hewlett, and it's time for Pet Place news and events. The Irvine Animal Care Center would like to invite you to their annual Kitten and Puppy Shower, where your involvement will shower the shelter's baby animals with needed supplies. Please bring your puppy and kitten shower gift of milk replacement formula like KMR, KMR Second Stage, or Espelac, kitten nurser bottles, cardboard scratchers, puppy nylabone shoes, digital postal scales for weighing the babies and monitoring their growth, blankets, towels, puppy training pads, exercise pens, pet store gift cards, pet toys, and any other new or gently used item that the shelter's little orphans could use. The Irvine Animal Care Center has shower registries at Petco, Amazon, and Target where you can see the most needed items. Or you can go online at www.irvineshelter.org to see a complete wish list. There are a lot of puppies and kittens that are currently being fostered by volunteers, and this program can only be kept alive by the generous donations of animal lovers like you. So if you'd like to bring a shower gift, head on over to the Irvine Animal Care Center on Sunday, August 12th from 1 to 4 p.m. The shelter is located at 6443 Oak Canyon Road in Irvine. Refreshments will be served, and you can visit with the many beautiful animals that are waiting for homes. And don't forget to check out our website at www.petplace.org and send us your comments or suggestions for the show by emailing petplaceradio at gmail.com. 
That's all for me today. Remember, pets need love and a home, too. We'll be back next weekend here on K-Mozart. I'm Marie Hewitt. Please stay or neuter your pets and have a wonderful day. Thank you.